today we are very fortunate we have his grace uh, sarvadrik das prabhuji from mayapur india and uh, prabhuji is going to enlighten us from bhagavad gita chapter 5 verse number 11 hari krishna prabhuji you may take over the call when you are ready thank you so much prabhu thank you manida prabhu namam vishnu padaya krishna krishnaya bhutale shri mate bhakti vedanta swami namaste Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pracharim Nebise Sasunavari Pastatade Sitar Hey Guru Gyanada Dina Bandho Swanandadata Kurunayaka Sindho Kandavana Sina Gita Pratana Prasidharadha Pranaya Prachar Nama Shastam Anumati Satchipachamatra Sarupam Rupam Tasagajamurupadim Bhartarim Pushtavatim Radha Kundam Girivaram Maho Radhika Madhavasam Prapta Yasya Pratita Kripayashi Guru Pangasam Tam Gopika Vrisharadistani Antitesi Sevadika Rinigura Nijapadapati Dasyam Pradaya Guru Mantitatan Deshi Radhangri Sevanarase Sukhinam Sukhapa Radha Sammukasam Satin Satisam Radhi Vasanam Tamaham Satatam Vande Madhushayam Vande Nantadvitashayam Che Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Nityoki Yatrasadat Sadhbhakti Shastra Pavartaka Nityananda Maham Nomi Sarvananda Param Param Harinama Param Devam Mabhadutu Shalom Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadatha Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Narayana Namaskritya, Naram Chayga Narodamam Devim Sarasatim Piyatam Today, this morning we're reading, your evening, we're reading from Srimad Bhagavad Gita. Chapter 5, Text 11. With the body, Manasa, with the mind. Bhujja, with the intelligence. Kevalai, purified. Indriyai, with the senses. Api, even though. Yogina, the Krishna conscious persons. Karma, actions, kurvanti, they act. Sangam, attachment, chakra, giving up. Atma, self, shuddhaye, for the purpose of purification. Translation, the yogis, abandoning attachment, act with body, mind, intelligence, and even with the senses, only for the purpose of purification. <coughs> Purport by Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. Srila Prabhupada Gita. By acting in Krishna consciousness for the satisfaction of the senses of Krishna, any action, whether of the body, mind, intelligence, or even of the senses, is purified of material contamination. There are no material reactions resulting from the activities of a Krishna conscious person. Therefore, purified activities, which are generally called sadhachar, 
can be easily performed by acting in Krishna consciousness. Srila Rupa Goswami in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu describes this as follows. A person acting a Krishna consciousness. <coughs> or in other words, in service to Krishna, in the service of Krishna, with his body, mind, intelligence, and words, is a liberated person, even within the material world. Although he may be engaged in many so-called material activities, he has no false ego, nor does he believe that he is this material body, nor that he possesses the body. He knows that he is not this body, and this body does not belong to him. He himself belongs to Krishna, and the body too belongs to Krishna. When he applies everything produced of the body, mind, intelligence, words, life, wealth, etc., whatever he may have within his possession, to Krishna's service, he is at once dovetailed with Krishna. He is, he is one with Krishna and is devoid of the false ego that leads one to believe that he is the body, etc. This is the perfect stage of Krishna consciousness. So this verse begins talking about yogis. We should ask, who is a yogi? <laughs> Especially you may have the experience in America, walking in the mall and coming across so-called yoga studio, right? And the yogis, so-called yogis, go there with their yoga mat <coughs> and their little yoga outfit and their yoga girlfriend. And they pay $50 for some yoga lessons, which are basically, which really all it amounts to is stretching the body. Yoga does not mean stretching the body. Asana is only one-eighth part of the Ashtanga system of yoga given by Patanjali Muni. Asana is just one part. And yoga actually begins, yoga indriya samyama. It means the first proposition of yoga is to control the senses. But if this is taught in the yoga studios, that yoga means controlling your senses, giving up all types of sense gratification. Every yoga studio in America, in North America, and actually around the world, will close tomorrow. Because yoga means to link with the Lord. And that means, to first proposition, control your senses. Be free from the bodily conception of life. But that they don't want to hear. They want to think, I'm a yogi because I'm doing mm, some gymnastic style of yoga. So Krishna explains, of course, everyone knows famous verse, last verse, sixth verse uh, of the sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Yoginam api sarvesham madgantana taratmana bhajate bhajate yomang yosame yuktatamo mataha. Lord says that of all yogis, he who worships me within the core of his heart, antaratmana, who worships me with loving faith, shadhavan, bhajate, yomang. He's considered by me, he's considered by me to be the topmost yogi. Whoever worships the Lord with devotion is considered topmost yogi. So this, is, this verse begins, <clears throat> who is going to abandon attachment? Only the yogis, only the transcendentalists, because a yogi, a real yogi, 
is also a transcendentalist. We should offer them respect because a real yogi, his first order of business is to control his senses and become free from the bodily conception of life and meditate on the Lord within his heart. Bhagavatam says, that yoga means to focus one's mind and consciousness in samadhi on the presence of the Lord within the heart. Because this is where he's situated. He's there in our heart, personally present. Lord is present within our heart. And he can be seen. We, we pray, Lord Brahma pray. That these saints, Santa Sadaiva, they're always seeing the Lord within their heart. This is yoga. Yoga doesn't mean just asana. So this verse is explaining that the first proposition of yoga is to abandon attachment. Because our condition, <clears throat> having fallen into this material world, is that we're under the influence of the modes of material nature. <clears throat> Sattva, Rajas, and Tamas. And Bhagavad Gita says, We're by nature pure. We're not meant to be controlled by the modes of material nature. This is an artificial imposition on the mind and, and the body, to be under, on the soul, to be under the control of Sattva, Rajas, and Tamas. The soul is aloof from all that. But when we fall into this material world, fall into the influence of the modes of material nature, which Krishna describes as mama maya duratyaya, very, very difficult to become free from, then we identify with the body. How is it we identify with the body? <clears throat> By the principle of ahankar. This material world means Eight separated material energies. One of them is ahankar. So the principle of ahankar links our mind and consciousness with matter. When in actuality, we have nothing to do with matter. We're aloof from matter. We're the soul, the atma. We're not born at any time. We don't die at any time. We're eternal. We're Shashwat, eternal living beings <clears throat> stuck in a material body. So how do we come to identify with the body? By this principle, Lord Krishna describes as one of his his separated material energy is ahankar. We begin to think this is me. And I am hungry, or I am sleepy, I am tired, I am happy, I am thirsty, I am hot, I am cold, I am greedy, I am lusty, I am angry, I am envious, on and on and on, intensifying with the material body. But the first proposition of bhakti <clears throat> is to free oneself from the bodily conception of life. Uh, to become free from upadi, sarva upadi vinir muktam tat paratvena nirmalam, vishikesha vishikena vishikesha sevanam bhakti uchate. The first proposition of bhakti is to give up upadis, material designation, thinking that I belong to this material world, that I am tall, I am short, skinny, fat, black, white, yellow, brown, man, woman, 
weak, strong, smart, dumb, all the dualities, the tail designations that are forced upon us by having taken birth in the material world. So we give this thing up, Upadis, first of all. And next thing, when one comes to the spiritual stage, what does he do? Spiritual life doesn't, isn't a void, a nothing, a zero, emerging into the Brahma Jyoti. Spiritual life means activity. What kind of activity as we're situated in this material world, as long as we're in the material world? Vishikena, Vishikesha, Sevana. We use our Vishik, our senses, as is explained here, with body, mind, intelligence, and even with the senses, only for the purpose of purification. And using purified senses means Vishikena, Vishikesha, Sevana, to observe Vishikesh. Krishna, one of Krishna's multitude of names is Rishikesh. He is Rishik Isha. He is the master of the senses. He's the Lord of the senses. They're meant to be used for him. But material life means, no, they're meant for me. I will taste. I will touch. I will smell. I will see. I will hear. I will enjoy. But this is perversion, perverted uh, understanding of what our senses are actually meant for. Our senses are meant to give happiness to Krishna. And this is the difference between devotional life and material life. And Srila Prabhupada writes in the, in the purple and explains that a materialistic person, the activities of a materialistic person and the activities of a devotee may appear to be the same. Somebody is going to work and a devotee is going to work. Somebody is cooking and a devotee is cooking. Somebody is taking care of family. And, and devotees taking care of family. It appears externally to be the same, but a devotee's consciousness, having become purified, Shudhaye, Srila Prabhupada wrote this verse says, for the purpose of purification, Shuddha consciousness, Shuddha Chitta, purified consciousness means that this is for Krishna. And I'm using my senses, my senses belong to Krishna, they're not mine. Srila Prabhupada writes in the purport. That a devotee thinks this body is not mine. In material life, we think it is mine and I will enjoy. The truth is, this body is not mine because it can be taken away at any moment. And it will be taken away someday. This is the, the hard, naked truth of material life. That death is coming, old age is coming, disease is coming, and no one can check this. If this is my body and I'm in control of it, then live forever, be happy. But we cannot. This is the law of material nature. We have to die. So as long as we're alive, as long, which means as long as we're living within this body, we need to use this body, intelligence, senses, everything for the satisfaction of the Lord. This is the mentality of pure devotee. Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur sings, Manasa Deho Geho Yokichumar Arpilantuapade Nandikishwar. Says, Oh my Lord, Nandikishwar. Krishna likes to be addressed in relationship with his beloved servitor, with his family. So Nandikishwar. He's the beloved son of Nanda Maharaj, the youthful son of Nanda Maharaj. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur is praying that, when, that my body, my mind, my home, Yokichumar, Whatever little bit I consider to be mine, let me use that in the service of the Lord. And this is the difference between bhakti and material life. A devotee also acts 
we don't negate the senses. We don't push down the senses and deny the senses. Rather, we use the senses, all of the senses, in the service of the Lord. And this is what distinguishes bhakti from any other process. In Shankar Sampradaya, their first proposition is take sannyas, give up the world, renounce, and then we'll talk of spiritual life. Without sannyas, they say, there's no spirit. They're simply a materialistic person. But in Bhakti Marg, everything is used for Krishna. We use everything, we offer everything for Krishna. Yadkaroshi, Bhagavad Gita says, ninth chapter, Yadkaroshi, Yadashnasi, Yastahosi, Dadasi, Yad. Yadtapasyasi, Kontaya, Madhurishwa, Madarpanam. Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you offer or give away, whatever austerity you perform, Whatever you give in charity, madarpanam, that you offer to me. And this is the beauty of bhakti. We live this life, we live in this world, but only for the satisfaction of Krishna. And this is purification. And this is yoga, topmost yoga. Other yogas cannot really help us, they can't give you liberation. Maybe you can get uh, a higher birth in, in a planetary, planetary system. But who can practice yoga in Kali Yuga? As I was saying, they, they think yoga means going to some strip mall and a yoga studio. But if we read in Bhagavad Gita, what is the actual standard of yoga? You go to a sacred place, not a strip mall. And where will you find sacred place in this, in this age? Not in the cities. Cities are, the whole sound, the whole atmosphere is contaminated sound vibration. As we're sitting here, we're bombarded with different types of sound vibration coming as radio waves, UF, VF, VHF, VF, all different types of radio waves, video waves, radio, television, internet, emergency broadcast, the whole atmosphere is full of this sound vibration, a very polluted atmosphere, all material sound vibration. <clears throat> so where will you find the sacred place? Even you go to the Himalayas, and sit in a cave, which is the actual standard of yoga, to sit in a cave and practice meditation and reduce your eating, sit in a, in a seat that's not too high and not too low, covered with deer skin, and you uh, stare at the tip of your nose and you focus your mind on the, on the super soul within your heart. Who, who is doing that? Very, very rare people are doing this. Will they ever get love? Will they get prema by this? <laughs> no. Impossible. They may get liberation if they're fortunate, if they're actually sincere practitioners of yoga, they may get liberation. But even that's not guaranteed. But devotee who takes up the simple process of bhakti, Bhagavatam describes a person running through the forest with his eyes closed, he'll never trip or fall. Bhakti is like that. Krishna told Arjuna, declare it boldly, Arjuna, my devotee never perishes. Krishna has special affection for his devotee. He always helps his devotee. The, the uh, objective, the highest goal of Krishna Prema is in the hand only of the Vaishnavas, only of the devotees, not the yogis, not the karmis, not the jnanis. Only the devotees. So this verse is describing what is, what is bhakti? 
acting without attachment, abandoning attachment. This is our disease, <clears throat> is that we're attached to our body. We don't like the sensation of being hungry or thirsty or too hot or too cold. <laughs> One time, Chilo Prabhupada was sitting with the devotees in India and he pointed to the fan on the ceiling. He said, why is there a fan? The devotee said, well, Prabhupada, it gets hot in the summertime, we need this fan. He said, no, 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 why is there a fan? The devotees uh, couldn't quite grasp what he was talking about. Ultimately, Prabhupada said, there is a fan because the material world is an uncomfortable, miserable place. He took it to a different level of understanding. That this, the fan is there because we're uncomfortable. The heater is there because we're uncomfortable. All these different amenities of material life, the geyser is there for hot water because it's cold in the, in the wintertime. Like here in Mayapur, it's getting quite cold. Of course, what is bitter cold in Mayapur, you know, 50 degrees is like a spring day in America. But it's, it's become cold here and people bundle up, they turn on their geyser, they turn on their heater trying to stay warm because we're attached to the sensations of this body. We don't like to feel cold. We don't like to feel too hot, but who is it? It's actually human. It's just our senses engaged with their object. This we don't understand. This is the whole illusion of material life that when I'm warm and toasty, I'm very happy. Who is happy? Who is the Atma hot or cold? Is the Atma hungry or thirsty? Is Atma greedy, lusty, envious, angry? None of these things. But because we are attached, we're connected to the material world through the principle of a hunkar, you think I am cold, I am hungry, I am thirsty, and let me do something about it quickly. Let me eat very nice food and please my palate, please my sense of taste. But what is the difference? Eating good food, eating stale food, eating simple food, eating opulent food. We have to eat something. So the principle of bhakti means yakoroshi, yadashtasi, whatever you eat. You offer to Krishna, take prasadam and transcend the whole conception of life by connecting everything we do for the satisfaction of Krishna. And this is the beauty of bhakti. And this is what it actually means to abandon attachment, not to completely renounce attachment, because we cannot. And it doesn't mean that you completely embrace material sense gratification. These are two sides to the same coin. Boga and Tyaga. Boga means let me enjoy. I am the enjoyer. Aham Bogi. Ishuraham Aham Bogi. Siddhoham Balavansuki. I am the enjoyer. I am perfect, powerful, happy. <clears throat> this is the side of the Boga, the Boga side of the coin of material life. And the other side of the coin, Tyaga, renunciation. But we are not the enjoyers. Neither are we renunciates, because what is ours to renounce? You know, Prabhupada explains here in the purport that this body belongs to Krishna. He says he has no false ego. He does not believe that he is this material body, nor that he possesses the body. He knows that he is not the body, and that this body does not belong to him. So if it doesn't belong to us, what is the question of renunciation? If a man walks into a bank, and gets up on a chair and claps his hands. Everyone, pay attention. I have an announcement. I am very generous. I'm going to renounce all the money in this bank. You can keep it. You can keep the money in your wallet. 
You can keep your wedding ring. You can keep your diamond jewelry. You can keep the money in the cash store, in the vault. You can keep it all. I give it to you. They'll think this guy's crazy. Now throw him out. Get out. You're a crazy man. Why? Because it's not his. How can you renounce something that, you, that doesn't belong to you? Conversely, if he walks, if the same man walks into the bank with a gun and says, give me all the money, then they'll lock him in jail. He's a thief. He's a criminal. So criminal life means I am the enjoyer. I am bogey, a humbogey. Because nothing is ours to enjoy. It's the property of the Lord. It's his. And he, he gives us what we need. He, out of his generosity, out of his love for the living entity, for the Atma, he provides whatever we need in life. Food is there, air is there, water is there, sunlight. He's even for the atheist, the murderer, the thief, he's also being provided the necessities of life. Will he not provide for his devotee? Krishna has special affection for his devotee. So he's providing for this body. Bhakti means use this body in the service of the Lord, neither renouncing, neither enjoying. And, this, and the devotional life is, is the actual truth of life. Not renouncing, I'm the, and that's, uh, I, I give up, I renounce, like the Maya bodies. It's like a fall down for them to eat one rasgula. Oh, sense credit. No, we don't eat anything. We sleep on the floor. We eat very simple food. They don't, they don't know what it is to, to dance in ecstasy, to feast in ecstasy, to have wonderful, loving relationships with Vaishnavas. This is unknown to them, they say. This is all Maya. It's not Maya because it's connected with Krishna. We're eating Krishna Prasad, delicious, opulent Krishna Prasad, associating with wonderful, like-minded, good-hearted, pure-minded Vaishnavas and Vaishnavis. This is not Maya. We're worshiping the deity in the, in the temple. The temple's not a statue. It's not Maya. Singing and dancing, this is not Maya. They criticize them. Prakashananda Saraswati Thakur. Not Thakur. <laughs> Prakashananda Saraswati. Criticize Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And what are you doing? What is this chanting and dancing? This emotional chanting and dancing. Why are you not studying Vedanta? You're a sannyasi in Shankar Sampradaya. You took initiation from Keshav. Um, I'm forgetting his name. But you took initiation in Shankar Sampradaya. Why are you not studying Vedanta? This is this, this emotional singing and dancing. Singing and dancing is real life because it's connected with Krishna. Real connection with Krishna in Kali Yuga means singing, dancing, using our voice. Maybe you can hear it in the background. It's about 200 devotees going out in Nagar Sankirtan. This is actual spiritual life. Singing, using your voice. We can speak, we can sing. So sing the name of Krishna. We have hands. So use your hands to play kartals, to play madanga. Use your legs to walk to holy places. Otherwise, what is the use of this body? Bhagavatam says, a head decorated with a silk turban that does not bow down to the Lord is useless. 
eyes that did not see the beautiful form of the deity in the temple are like the eyes painted on the plume of a peacock. And legs that do not walk to the temple are like tree trunks. Hands that are decorated with golden bangles that do not engage in the service of the Lord are no better than the hands of a dead man. Our body is Krishna's property and is meant for his service. Simple thing. This is the beauty of bhakti. Live your life. Don't renounce anything. Don't try and enjoy anything. Use everything in the service of the Lord. And this is the beauty of bhakti. This is actual yoga. Yoga means to connect with Krishna. So is it actual connection to sit and twist your body, to stand on your head, Shirshasan, Padmasan, these different types of asanas? Is Krishna pleased? Is he, does he become affectionate to the, to the person who does asana? Or does he become affectionate to the person who chants his name? who wants to cook and prepare delicious food for him because Krishna likes to eat. This, most people cannot grasp. Only the devotee can understand that God is a person and he likes to eat. Krishna especially uh, enjoys sweet food, food prepared with the milk, goma. This thing he enjoys. But the materialistic person, Yogis, yanis, they can't grasp this. That Krishna likes to eat delicious food. In fact, Nanda Maharaj said that it is impossible that my son Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. It is impossible. Why? Because he eats too many sweets. He loves to eat sweet food. So because Krishna likes to eat delicious food, what do devotees do? They want to please the Lord by preparing delicious food for his pleasure, to please him, not to please our own senses. This is what it means to control senses, actually, to please Krishna's senses. Because as you water the root of a tree, all the leaves and branches and flowers and fruits all become nourished. So in the same way, when we please Krishna, when Rishikesha, Rishikena, Rishikesha, Sevanam, when we give service to Krishna with our senses, then our senses actually become satisfied, pacified. This is the, the mystery of bhakti that non-devotional practitioners of spiritual processes cannot understand. That when Krishna is satisfied, we become satisfied, we become happy, we become detached from sense gratification by Rishikena, Rishikesha, Sevanam, by serving the Lord with our senses. Using his property, his sense of sight belongs to him, actually. The sense of hearing, of speaking belongs to him because it can be taken away in a moment. We're thinking, these are my eyes, and I will use them. They belong to me, I will use them. It actually belongs to the Lord. There's a nice story in Tree Vaishnavism about Ramanujacharya's uh, beloved disciple. His name was Kuresh. Kuresh was, had amazing memory. He memorized whole uh, books of Ramanujacharya. An amazing memory. And his beloved disciple. So there is one king, his name was Kulatunga. 
Gokula Donga was very envious. He was a follower of Lord Shiva. And he was very envious of the Vaishnavas. This is his ignorance because ultimately there's no point of disagreement between the Shaivites and Vaishnavas. Vaishnavanamita Shambhu, but she was the greatest devotee. He's blessing Vaishnavas to develop Krishna Bhakti. But ultimately, there's no point of contention between the Vaishnavas and the Shaivites. But this Kolatunga being ignorant man in the mode of ignorance, he challenged Ramanuja. You come to my court and debate with my court pundits. And Kuresh, being intelligent devotee, had a bad feeling about this. He said, no, you, you don't go. Let me go in your place. I'll put on your saffron cloth and I'll go as Ramanujacharya. So he went and he completely slashed these court pundits who tried to establish that Lord Shiva is the Supreme Personality of God, not Lord Vishnu. So Kuresh, being so vastly learned in Shastra, completely slashed them. And he finally said to them that even Drona, he made a joke with them, a play on words, a pun. He said, even Drona is greater than Shiva because at that time, there are two weights. One weight was called Shiva. One weight was called Drona, used in measuring. And Drona had a greater capacity, was a greater weight than the Shiva. So he better play. And this enraged the king. And he said, throw him, throw this man in prison and put out his eyes. So they threw Koresh in prison and they gouged out his eyes. Cruelly gouged out his eyes. And in due course of time, they released him. So Koresh, now blind, went before the deity Bharadaraj. Bharadaraj means the king of blessings, the king, the topmost blesser of the Vaishnavas. And he was doing bhajan before Bharadaraj, Satsangya. And he was thinking, and he was praying to the Lord that I've lost something very valuable. He wasn't thinking, I've lost my eyesight. He thought, I've lost something that belongs to my guru. My eyes are the property of my guru. I see and I speak and I hear and I taste and smell. All my senses belong to my guru. They belong to the Lord. So he was praying to, to Varadaraj. My dear Lord, I've lost something very valuable that belongs to my guru, my eyesight. So you, if you like, if it is pleasing to you, you please restore my eyesight. And the Lord blessed him and restored his eyesight. Eyes were gouged out by the cruel king, Kulatunga. But by the mercy of the Lord, he regained his eyesight and again took up his service to Sri Ramanuja. So such is the wonderful relationship between Vaishnavas, great Vaishnavas like Kuresh and Ramanujacharya. They think, they know, they don't just think, it's not a mental adjustment. They know this body is not me because they experience being different from the body. They experience it. They know intellectually based on Shastra. How can I be this? Dehi no yata dehi. Komaram jovanam jara. But I pass, I'm passing in this body from boyhood to youth to old age, and I'll also pass to another body at death. This is the most natural thing. And a thoughtful person who is a little reflective, a little introspective, can understand very easily 
how can I be this body? I remember being in the arms of my mother as a child, learning to walk, playing, eating candy, going to school, going to high school, going to college, graduating, working, marriage, children, old age. We, we can remember being a tiny child. Where is the tiny child's body? I was there. As I'm here, I was there. Where is that body? So an intelligent person, thoughtful person can understand, I am not this body. I am the soul, the consciousness within this body. This is the vision of a Vaishnava. So because it belongs to the Lord, let me use it in his service. So Rishikesha, Rishikena, Rishikesha, Sevanam. We want to serve the Lord knowing that this body is not me. And what does service mean? In this age means Atakshri Krishna Namadi, Namavit Grayam Indriyai, Sevan Mukhijivado Swayamivas Purakta. That we use our senses in the service of the master of the senses. And by this process of bhakti, this process of using everything, offering everything to Krishna, manasa, deho, geho, our mind, our body, our senses, our home, everything offered to Krishna, yogi, two more, whatever little bit I have. Our pilan, two up and I offer to you, Nanda Kishore, by this process, we get sporty, sporty, means revelation. We understand within our heart. We experience detachment from our body. We experience a relationship with the personality of Godhead. It's not just philosophical adjustment. Some dry philosophy. I read it in the book. Okay, it makes sense. But what is, what is our experience of love of God? Because this is our ultimate objective in life. We are not interested just to know about God or just to worship him. We want to love him. This is prema purushartha mahan. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said this, dharma, artha, kama, moksha. We reject all this. Dharma, just being a religious person. Artha, becoming successful in life, getting a big bag balance, getting the house, getting the car, getting the clothes, getting the respect. Artha, we reject this. And dharma, artha, kama, and on the, on the strength of artha, enjoying senses. And when senses are unsatisfied, when we become happy, unhappy and frustrated, moksha, let me, give me liberation. I'm suffering in this world. I want the, we re, reject, we reject this. Ketanya Mahabharata said, prema, purushartama. That prema, love of God, tangible, experiential, love of God. When our heart melts, in affection, in feeling, genuine affection for the Lord. This is the highest objective of life. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing what we're doing. Why we're chanting. This is the fruit of our chanting. The fruit of Krishna Nama is Krishna Prema, not liberation. Liberation is nothing. Liberation is standing with folded hands. What can I do for you? Prema is our objective. Love of God is our objective. And we should keep that in mind. Why am I doing what I'm doing? For this, for this objective, if we don't understand that, then this is cause of fall down. Following, following rules and regulations without understanding why you're doing it. The day will come, you'll think, why am I doing it? I'm not going to do it anymore. And that's also fall down. To reject 
rules and regulations or to follow rules and regulations for not without understanding why. So we keep this principle in the forefront of our consciousness. I'm doing this because I can get love of God, not just liberation. The Maya bodies can get liberation. The yogis, they can get liberation. The karmis, they can also go. They can go to the very high position in the material world. They can get many material blessings. But the devotee rejects all of that for this principle, prema, love of God, affectionate, loving relationship with the personality of Godhead. This is why we're doing what we're doing. This is why we, as is said here, abandon attachment and act with our body, mind, intelligence, and our senses just for the purpose of purification. And what, what is the consciousness of a pure, purified person? When we've used our mind, our body, and our senses in the service of the Lord, what is the symptom? What is the tangible symptom of purification? Is it Krishna, that love of God? Nitya Krishna Prema The love of God wells up in our heart. This is the effect of hearing about Krishna. By hearing about Krishna. By just by hearing about Krishna. What happens? Bhakti wells up feelings of love of God, well up in your heart in due course of time. And it destroys shoka, moha, bhaya, fear, lamentation, and illusion. What is to be afraid? Like we see, it's the most insane thing. All over the world, people are afraid. Oh my God, coronavirus. I'm going to die. Yes, you're going to die. Don't you know? The whole world has become controlled by fear, fear of death. But what is to, what is to be afraid? We die today, we die tomorrow, we die in five years, 10 years, 50 years, we die. Either today or tomorrow we die. What is to be afraid? It's the most natural thing. And death is not the end. Death means beginning. For devotee, it means the beginning of eternal life. Chilo Prabhupada gave a nice example. He said, just like a cat carries its kitten in its mouth. And, and the cat also carries a rat in its mouth. But the way the cat carries a rat for food and the way it carries its own baby offspring is very different. Same cat, same mouth, but the experience of the cat, of the rat is not the same experience as a kitten. So death for a devotee is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to leave this world and return to the kingdom of God. To go back to leave this body, go back to Krishna and never come back again. It's the greatest opportunity. We embrace death. I'm not afraid of death. We embrace death because it's an opportunity to increase, to be a better devotee in our next life or to return to the kingdom of God. That's also possible by this process of Krishna Bhakti. So we, we're not afraid of death coming. We serve here, or we serve there. 
There's some Bengali proverb, I don't know the Bengali, Chilu Prabhupada used to quote, that denke, denke means a pulling machine that separates the hole from the rice grain. So he said, if you send denke to, the, to heaven, what will it do? It will haul rice. Same thing it does here. So devotees serving here, and we serve there. Srila Prabhupada explained that the only difference is that this service, this stage of bhakti, sadhana, is a probationary stage that we're practicing devotional life. We're trying to understand how to be, what it means to be a devotee. We're trying to purify our senses. And act with our senses, as it said here, only for the purpose of purification. Sangam chakta shudhi, shudhi. To act simply with, for purification. This is what it means. To live here, to, to serve Krishna here in this material world with our senses, and ultimately go there and serve Krishna with our senses. Same. This is just probationary period. It's like in America, when I was there, I used to do jail preaching, prison preaching. And I met one devotee. He was a nice devotee, but he did something stupid. He was stealing from the U.S. government and got locked in jail. In due course of time, he was placed on probation, which means he's not in jail anymore. He's in halfway house. Someone needs to mute their microphone, please. Shivani, can you mute your microphone, please? Thank you. So he was placed in halfway house. He's not free but he's not in jail. Halfway house means you have to check in, you live there. They give you a car, they arrange a job for you. You go to work, you make a paycheck, but you have to check in with the probation officer and you have to live in the halfway house. If you successfully complete the probationary period, then you're completely free. So spiritual life is exactly like this. It's a very perfect parallel example. Material life means you're in prison. Birth and death, birth and death, over and again, over and over again, sansara. So probationary life means devotional life. We're not completely free. And we're under the jurisdiction of the probation officer who is Sri Guru. If we check in with Guru, if we follow his instructions, live in the halfway house, probationary life, probationary stage of devotional life, if we follow perfectly, the day will come when we're completely free, which means we give up this body and we go back to the kingdom of God. This is spiritual life, but it requires acting with our senses only for the purpose of purification because sense gratification can never make us happy. Rather, Krishna describes in Bhagavad Gita, that the senses, this is how we suffer. Sense gratification makes us suffer. But in illusion, we think this will make me very happy. Yet we do the same thing, stupid thing over and over again. And here we are again with the material body thinking, I will be happy by enjoying in this material world through my senses. But that happiness, Krishna described, it has its beginning, and it has its end. Nateshu, Ramate Buddha. A Ramate, Ramate Buddha. 
a thoughtful person doesn't take his happiness and sense gratification. He takes his pleasure in Krishna and devotional life, using his senses to serve the Lord. Bhagavatam says, Nayam Deho Deha Bhajan Neloke Kashtan Kaman Arhati Didbujamye Tapo Diddam Putrikayeni Satkam Shudyat Brahma Sokyam Panantam. It's a parallel verse to this verse we're reading. That when we, when we become purified, by little austerity, following some rules, living, living regulated life, chanting holy name, associating with devotees, visiting the temple, worshiping the deity, taking prasadam, taking only prasadam, that we become purified. And we enjoy ananta happiness, unlimited happiness, which means we enter the kingdom of God. Because even the vidbujam, the animals like cows and dogs and pigs that eat stool, they also enjoy sense gratification. They have sex, they eat, they sleep, they defend themselves. They do the same thing human beings do. What is the difference between a human being and an animal? That a human being can understand there's a higher happiness. So he accepts a thoughtful person, a fortunate person, accepts little austerity and enjoys ananta happiness. Unlimited happiness, which means, first proposition, act with your senses only for the purpose of purification, abandoning attachment, and act only for the purpose of purification. This is yoga. Any other type of proposition of so-called yoga is simply cheating. So we should, yoga has become popular. We should preach this. We should explain this. You want to know what yoga is? This is yoga. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama. Use your sense of speech, your tongue, your ear. Vibrate the name of God and hear the name of God. Let the name of God dance in the courtyard of your heart and make all your senses inert. This is a prayer of Rupa Goswami. He said, when I chant, <clears throat> I desire millions of tongues. And when I hear, when that name comes from my mouth and enters my ear, I desire millions of ears. And when that holy name dances in the courtyard of my heart, all my senses become. This is yoga. It's twisting your body, standing on your head. Is Krishna, is Krishna attracted? Will you attract the attention of Krishna by standing on your head, by folding your legs, by twisting your body? He's attracted when the devotee calls his name, hey, Krishna, hey, Govinda, Draupadi. He was helpless. All the Maharatis, Atiratis are disrobing her, Dushasana. Can she fight? But she called, hey, Krishna, hey, Govinda. And Krishna was immediately there. So this is our process. All out Krishna's name, and Krishna will be there for us. This is yoga. And this is the perfection of life, to take up this process of chanting Krishna's name and to teach this name, to distribute this name. Here in Mayapur, in India, today is uh, Ikadashi, Vaikuntha Ikadashi, Moksha Ikadashi, Gita Jayanti. The devotees are making special effort to distribute Bhagavad Gita, to distribute this priceless knowledge to society because there's suffering. But we know what we learned in the first few weeks and months of our devotional life, 
can change the course of human history and save human society. These simple things, dehi no smin, asmin dehi, you're not your body, your soul, you'll never be happy in sense gratification. Asmin dehi, you're a spiritual being, you belong to God. That he is a proprietor of everything. You're not the proprietor. If the world understands this, then war stops tomorrow. It's not your China. It's not your India. It's not your Israel. It's not your America. It belongs to God. It's his property. What we learned in the few, first few weeks of our devotional life can change the course of human history. It only needs to be distributed. <coughs> and Srila Prabhupada understood that the best way to do that is by book distribution. Christianity was unknown sect, completely unknown, until the invention of the printing press. When the printing press was invented and they started printing the Bible and distributing the Bible, then Christianity grew. Stalin and uh, what's this other demon's name? Uh, Marx, Karl Marx. Communism was nothing until they started distributing communist literature, communist propaganda. Then it began to spread. So we should take note. Srila Prabhupada understood this. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur understood this very, very perfectly. He wanted to spread the message and print books. Christianity has been around for, for 2,000 years. It's the world's largest religion. How? By book distribution. <laughs> Not by uh, little meetings in people's homes, by book distribution. We meet in homes, Bhakti Vriksha, to maintain our spiritual life, to enjoy, to shanti cha, romanti cha, to enjoy happiness of associating with devotees, to hear and chant, discuss. But Krishna Bhakti will spread by book distribution. Therefore, uh, Manidara Prabhu read a very beautiful quote. That book distribution is our first priority. This is Bhagavad Diddi, Bhagavad Mark. Pancharatriki Mark means temple worship. So these two are like train tracks, railway tracks. One side, Pancharatriki Mark, deity worship in the temple, and the other, Bhagavad Mark, preaching and book distribution. And this combination is very, very powerful and will bring revolution. Viplava means revolution. This is revolutionary information that you'll never be happy by sense gratification and they should act only for the purification of your senses of body, mind, and work. So I'll stop here. It's uh, almost 7.30 here in Mayapur. If anyone has any comment or question, I can try and answer such a lovely class. Hare Krishna, Prabhu, uh, all glories to Srila Prabhupada and Guru Maharaj. Please accept my humble obeisances, Amy in Florida. Oh, thank you, Mataji. Thank you for your kind words. Anyone has any questions? Yes, Prabhuji, thank you so much for your wonderful class. I would like to understand uh, why did Sri Krishna teach Three yoga, if bhakti yoga is the supreme. Thank you. Very excellent question. Thank you. I should have mentioned that. He taught yoga. He taught many types of karma yoga is mentioned. Bhagavad Gita. There's a whole chapter, Bhagavad Gita, karma yoga. 
He's taught meditation or yoga, sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. But at the end of the discussion of yoga, he teaches bhakti. Yogi namapi sarvesham. Of all yogis, the person who meditates on me, worships me, loves me, he's considered samayuktatamo mataha. He's considered by me to be topmost. So there's different types of yoga to accommodate different levels of spiritual progress. Not everyone is ready for bhakti. Bhakti is most rare, most rare achievement. <coughs> and not everyone has sukriti or purva punya, the past life experience or spiritual asset to practice bhakti. Because bhakti controls Krishna. He's not controlled by yoga. Asadi, he says in Bhagavatam, he told Uddhava, Asadi, mam yoga, Asankya dharma Uddhava, Asvadhyaya stipastyago, Yata bhaktir amorjita. He says, I'm controlled by bhakti, not by scriptural study, by yoga, by austerity, by, by religiosity. He says, I'm not controlled. I'm controlled by bhakti. Bhakti is not easy. It's the highest achievement. And not everyone is ready for bhakti. But does that mean it's all or nothing? Either bhakti or nothing or material, completely materialistic life? There's different levels to accommodate all different types of people. So karma yoga is there. You want to enjoy this world? Well, here's how you do it. You work and you give part of your, uh, the fruit of your labor you use in the service of the Lord. And you enjoy sense gratification. But you make progress. Yoga is also a system of progress. Learning to meditate, controlling your mind. The whole sixth chapter is very important. The verses in sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita are very, very important. Hmm. What's that? Uh, I'm forgetting verse. Anyway, there are many, many verses in, in sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Important verses about controlling your mind. Manas chanchalam astiram, Krishna said. This mind is very chanchalam. Chanchalam, he, he told. Arjun said to Krishna, chanchalam hi mana Krishna, brahmati balavad vidham, tasyaham nigraham vanye vayo evasadushma. He's describing what is the importance of controlling the mind. Jitatmana prashantasya paramatma samahita, sitoshna sukhudukeshu tatamana pramani. Very important instruction. When the mind is conquered, jitatmana, vashantasya, if you conquer your mind, you become happy. This is very important instruction. Everyone wants to be happy. But if they don't learn this process of yoga, which begins with controlling the mind, how will they, make, how will they be happy? What to speak? I'm making progress in spiritual life. This one, jitatmana, prashantasya, paramatma, samahita, the super soul is reached. Sutoshna, Sukudukeshu, he's equal in heat and cold, in honor and on, honor and dishonor, loss and gain. He comes to the spiritual stage by controlling jita, conquering the mind. So yoga is very important. We don't reject yoga. But the benefit of yoga, of Ashtanga Yoga, Kriya Yoga, Karma Yoga, Raja Yoga, all different types of yoga. It's called Yoga Ruda, like a ladder, step by step. But one who's reached the top step of yoga practices bhakti. This is the instruction of, of Shastra. So we don't reject lower stages, but we shouldn't lose sight of the goal of yoga. Vasudeva para yoga. 
uh, Srimad Bhagavatam too. But Vasudev Krishna is the goal of yoga. Not yoga for yoga's sense, not yoga to lose weight, yoga to be happy, yoga to become peaceful, yoga to become healthy. All those things are available by yoga, but they're not the goal of yoga. Krishna is the goal of yoga. So we shouldn't forget that. And simultaneously, we shouldn't minimize genuine yoga practitioners. We, we have to have a laugh at people who think they're practicing yoga. You know, they go to the yoga studio and then they go for lunch and have a hamburger and a glass of wine. You know, this isn't, what did you learn in your yoga studio? So we, we laugh at that type of presentation of yoga, but there is scriptural yoga. If it's not important, why was it given by Patanjali Yoga, by Patanjali Muni? He gave this for the benefit of human society and there's many benefits to yoga, but we should not forget the goal of yoga. These things should be understood. Does that answer your question, Mahabharata? Thank you, Prabhuji. Okay, anything else? Are we done? Um, yes, Prabhuji. Anybody else have any question? Shivani Mataji, Amy Mataji. Prabhuji, I have a question. So for a practitioner devotee, how much importance a devotee should give to the, you know, the pranayam, all, all these kind of yoga? Um, like, you know, is it just to the limit of keeping the body healthy? Pranayam, some devotees I know practice pranayam before they take up japa because the pranayam is meant to calm the mind. And with, if our mind is very disturbed, it's very hard to focus on the task at hand. When we chant japa, we have to focus on what we're doing. Because I mean, I'll tell you, I experience when I sit down to chant japa, it takes me a couple rounds just to get focused. Okay, what am I doing? So my mind is still going here and there and everywhere, thinking so many things. This is the nature of the mind. Arjun said, chanchalam himana Krishna. My mind is chanchal. So pranayam is very helpful. The point is, Prabhu, whatever is favorable for our devotional life, we should accept. Mm. If yes, doing yoga Prabhu. asana helps your body yes. be healthy, then you should do yoga. Yes. The pranayam helps you control your mind and, and calm your mind and make your mind focused and do pranayam. But everything is a relationship with Krishna. There's no intrinsic value in pranayam unless it's connected with Krishna. There's no intrinsic value in yoga and being healthy mm. unless it's connected with Krishna because healthy body is a great asset for practicing spiritual life. But if there's no connection with Krishna, because you know health, for example, is a losing, losing proposition because ultimately we become un unhealthy and ultimately we have to leave this unhealthy body. This is what happens. This is what everyone experiences. You become unhealthy and you die. The body becomes unhealthy to the extent that you can't stay in your body anymore and you have to leave. Mm -hmm. So health is a very temporary thing. Peace of mind is very temporary. Sometimes we're peaceful, sometimes we're disturbed. But behind that, behind the background of duality, of health and non-health, of peacefulness and disturbance, of prosperity and need, all the dualities of material life behind the, the background of the dualities of material life is Krishna Bhakti. 
So we shouldn't lose sight of Krishna Bhakti, devotional life, love of God, because that is the highest achievement. Health is health is good. We want to be healthy. Prabhupada mm -hmm. said this is a very important thing because if you're unhealthy, how can you chant? How can you serve? How can you read? Prabhupada said, health is number one. Maintain your health. <clears throat> but it's not a goal unto itself. The world is full mm -hmm. of many healthy people that are complete non-devotees. What is, what is what's, what's the point of being healthy? Unless you're Krishna conscious. So it's a great asset in that way. Yes, I'll probably give you an example. It said like gold. Gold is valuable. But, if gold, but it has no scent. It has no beautiful fragrance. But if gold had fragrance, how much more valuable it would be. So bhakti is like gold. It's the most valuable thing. But if we're healthy in devotional life, it's so much the better. If our mind is peaceful, if our senses are controlled, these are all assets. And, and in, in addition to the most valuable thing that's come to our life, which is the process of Krishna Bhakti. Thank you, Prabhuji. That really helps. Good. So if you you're doing so pranayam, go. <laughs> I should do it also. <laughs> I, yes, I have a very you. hard time being regulated. I try, to, I try to do it, but, uh, you know, in the morning I do it. But uh, if I skip my chanting, for example, once in a while, and I try to do it in the evening, some of the rounds, then mind is very disturbed and so many activities are there. Then I don't know how to calm the mind at that time, how to have the peaceful chanting. So maybe doing a little bit of pranayam before that, maybe some breathing before that, that might keep the mind calm and help in doing the chanting or finish any remaining but Kirtan, Kirtan is also good. Yes, Prabhuji. Kirtan is very to good. to be absorbed in mm -hmm. Kirtan than it is in Japa. And actually, Kirtan is more powerful. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to teach Sankirtan, chanting with many people together. This has much more powerful effect than Japa. <laughs> I agree, Prabhuji. Kirtan is very effective, so we should do that. And even like, you know, singing the Vaishnava bhajans also like that might help also. Oh, singing definitely. Like, you know, yeah, there's so many definitely. bhajans. I, my there. experience, if, if my mind is disturbed, there's something unhappy happening in my life. If I sit down mm. and sing Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's bhajans, it's so nourishing, yes. so encouraging in, in life. Mm -hmm. and, and so relevant. He wrote these yes, for us. Very... Mm, they are very meaningful, really good bhajans. Mama Nivedana Shuno, Dishaya Durjana, Sadakamarate, Kichu Nahi Moraguna, O Gopina, Gopina. I'm a materialistic person, full of lust, greed, I have no good qualities. Oh, Gopina, he's calling out his heart, he's pouring his heart out to Gopina. If we touch that, all unhappiness, all illusion goes away. That's, that's my experience. Prabhupada yes, said we're all Bhaktivinoda Pariwar, the family hmm. of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Right. I cannot understand the Bengali, but, but you know, I have to read them in, in English and translate them, you know, read the translation in English, then I can figure it out. But the meaning is very beautiful, Prabhuji, in these bhajans. Even if somebody cannot sing them, just read it and, uh, you know, very it's true. like reading a scripture. Scripture itself, those bhajans. Yeah. Actually, Prabhupada said in Denver, Colorado, he was sitting in the Vyasa Sun, he asked one devotee to sing. Mm. 
I think this Bajahuremana. Yes. And then what he's saying, and he asks, okay, so what does it mean? And then what is like, uh, duh. <laughs> yeah, now I'm caught. Srila <laughs> Prabhupada said that these bhajans of Govinda Das, of Naratam Das Thakur, mm. Lochan Das Thakur, Bhakti Vinod Thakur, said these bhajans are, not, he said three times, these bhajans are non-different from the Vedas, non-different from the Vedas, non-different from the Vedas. Everything is there. All, all Shastri conclusions are there in the bhajans of our acharyas. They are very wonderful. Beautiful. Haribol. What a wonderful statement by Prabhupada about these bhajans. Well, we can take advantage. We should take advantage. Mm -hmm. My wife and I do, we, we, there's only two of us, we don't do offer arti, but we sing bhajans, sing uh, Gurvashtakam, of course, Mm -hmm. And then this beautiful bhajan, uh, bhajan, not bhajaharimana, udilo aruna. So it's such a wonderful meditation, all the qualities of udilo aruna. How Lord Chaitanya is rising in the morning and bhakata samuhu, he's going with the devotees on kirtan, he's mm -hmm. dancing. Sonara anga, he's, he's uh, what do you call gungara, this. Uh, the ankle bracelets are chanting in time. He's dancing, his golden form is quivering in love of God. All these beautiful bhajans, so nice. Jeev Jago, Jeev Jago, Gorachandra Golan. Chaitanya is calling, wake up sleeping souls, wake up sleeping souls. How long will you sleep on the lap of the witch called Maya? Oh, wonderful bhajans. Sansara Dhava Nalalida Loka, all given by our acharyas for our reformation. I, I our... like one of the bhajan is Kave Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Kariba Daya Kave Hami Chade Vishaya Abhiman, something like that. Yeah, mm. that is also very good. Okay. Um, anybody have any comment? Any? Uh, Prabhuji, you mentioned about Vedas. Which Veda mentions about Krishna? Bhagavatam is the natural commentary on Veda. That we should understand. I'm just looking for one of the Vedas, the original text. Which one has Krishna's reference? The thing is, Veda is all encompassing. Everything's there. Worship demigods is there. Everything is there in Veda. But Bhakti, the, the story, if you read Bhagavatam, <clears throat> is it Veda Vyas who took the original Veda and divided it into four? He's still feeling unhappy. He's feeling unsatisfied, depressed. So his guru, Narada Muni, appears in the scene and he asks his guru, why am I feeling like this? I've given Brahma Sutra, I've given Vedanta, Vedas, given this huge body of that. Why am I feeling like this? It's because you failed to glorify the personal characteristics and pastime, Leela, of the Supreme Personality of God and Krishna. Then he gives Bhagavatam. So Bhagavatam is a natural commentary on the cream, Veda, Saram, Saram, Samudhitam. That this is the cream, the essence of all Vedanta is Srimad Bhagavatam, the natural commentary on Bhagavatam. So if you want to know, understand Krishna in Veda, then you have to read Bhagavatam. So, Prabhuji, Bhagavatam, you are referring, it is the Bhagavad Purana, which is, which means yes, Srimad Bhagavad Purana. Okay. Correct, Bhagavad so, Purana. 
So it's it's one of the many Puranas, just written in the similar time frame. The eighteen Puranas, this is Bhagavat Purana, is is different from that. Bhagavat is Shrimad Bhagavatam given by Veda Vyas, commentary on 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 Vedas. So none of the other Bhagavatam says. The essence of all Vedic knowledge is in Bhagavatam. Anartopasamam Sakshat means the, the miseries of material life that people experience are external to us. To solve that problem in his own life and in the life of humanity in general, the great sage, Veda Vyas, gave Shrimad Bhagavatam, the natural commentary on Vedanta Sutra. Okay, just to clarify, Prabhuji, so 18 Puranas, out of 18 Puranas, Bhagavatam is the only Purana which is correct. Rest of them no, are No, no, they're all correct. They're all correct, but we, we have to understand everything in harmony. It's like Linga Purana, Guru the Purana, or Tamasic Puranas. Just like if you go to the doctor, he gives you medicine for your specific disease. You don't go to the doctor, just give me some medicine, give me any medicine. No, he gives you a prescription to cure your specific disease. So there's six Tamasic Puranas, six Rajasic Puranas, and six Sattvic Puranas, like um, Padma Purana, Vishnu Purana, or Sattvic Puranas, for persons who are qualified to worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Narayan, or Krishna, Vasudeva. Other Puranas recommend, they say, Lord Shiva is Supreme, Ganesha is Supreme. But to understand harmony, to make harmony out of all that, understand that the Puranas are directed to certain classes of people. It's not one, one uh, medicine cures everybody. We should understand it in this way, understand the Puranas. And Itihasa also, Ramayan, Mahabharata, Itihasa, histories. Because that's there also to elevate people because who can understand Veda? Bhagavatam says, Tri Shuddha Dvijabhavanam Trayina Shruti Gochara. Not Shruti Gochara, not qualified for Shruti. So Veda Vyas gave Mahabharata, which teaches the highest principles of Bhakti. In story form, how much the Pandavas loved the Lord, how much the Lord loved the Pandavas. This is the essence of all Veda. This is the essence of all Shastra. Ramayana. Uh, this, all these things are there to, to bring us up. In Kali Yuga, people are not qualified to understand. They misunderstand Veda. They think, Bhagavad Gita says, Yami mam pushpitam vacham pravatanti avipaschita veda vadarata parta nanyan astiti vadana. They think Janma Gatim, material opulence, good birth, material sense gratification, good karma. This is not the purpose of Veda. This is Pushpitam Bacham. It's there in Veda, but it's not the goal of Veda. Vasudeva para Veda. Vasudeva Krishna. Krishna Bhakti is a goal of Veda. Not Pushpitam Vacham, Pravidanti Avipaschita. They misunderstand Veda. They're called Veda Vada Rata. 
who think Veda is simply for material sense gratification, going to Indraloka, enjoying life with the Apsaras, and the Nandakan on the gardens for thousands of years. This is not for Vedas. This is for people who, again, when we are talking about yoga, for persons who are not ready for bhakti, who don't have sukriti for bhakti, qualification for bhakti, okay, do this. Do this type of worship, do this type of yajna, this type of sacrifice, this type of austerity, and give this type of charity, and you can go and go to the planets of the devatas and enjoy life. It instills in a person the conception that I have to be subordinate to somebody, I have to worship somebody, I have to subordinate myself to someone to get what I want. And this is progress. It's not the highest goal, but it's progress. But Gita calls it, Lord, in the words of Lord Krishna, who is the goal of Veda, he calls it Pushpitam Bacham, flowery words of Veda, that recommend different types of sacrifice for good, for heavenly life and good karma coming back to this material. This isn't the goal. Krishna is the goal. We, we read, uh, in the 15th chapter, says, I am the goal of Veda. I am the compiler of Veda. I'm the knower of Veda. So we should understand what is Veda from the words of Lord Krishna, who is the goal of Veda, Supreme Personality of God. So if we want to know about the personal life and activities, his quality, his name, his form, his lila, his pastime. Then we go to Bhagavatam, which is not in Veda. That, that lila of the Lord, confidential lila of the Lord, uh, in different bhavas, in, in Manjari bhav, Gopi bhav, Sakya bhav, that's not in Veda because it's the essence of Veda. I hope that helps you. Understand. Is that helpful helpful to you, Martin? Yeah, I think so, Prabhuji. That was I helpful. So, so I think Tanya Mataji is going on mute. So so I think that was helpful. Um Thank you. Thank you so much, Prabhuji. Okay. You. Thank you. And frankly, for your nice question. Very excellent question. You're a very intelligent lady. Yes, Prabhuji. Mataji always asks very nice question. <laughs> Thank you, Mataji. Thank you for <clears throat> tolerating me. Thank you. No, Mataji, it's not like that. We learn a lot from your questions, actually. Yes. So, really appreciate you asking them. <clears throat> so, I will stop the recording here. Prabhuji, 